G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Welcome to Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. As the past few years have passed, we've watched unimaginable world-shaking events. Think COVID, wars, political and social unrest and more. Many have asked the question, is the end near? Well, Dr. Youssef addresses that question solely from a biblical perspective in his best-selling book of the same title, Is the End Near? On this special episode of Leading the Way, we'll eavesdrop into a podcast Dr. Yusuf was a guest on with his son, Jonathan, talking about the content of the book, offering you practical words about living for Jesus in the last days. Listen along with me to this inspiring episode of Candid Conversations with Jonathan Yusuf. Is the end near? And I love the subtitle which yeah. is highlighted and emphasized on yeah. the cover, yeah. what Jesus told us about the last days. Okay, so you're writing out of your experience and the passion of your heart right. and the things that you've seen across continents. But I think, am I right in assuming that you're also writing because, I mean, everyone and their brother has written an end times book. Right. And they have not all been helpful. No, and they're not biblical, some of them. Uh, right, which is why I love that you highlight Jesus. This yeah. is going to be what Jesus told us, not what Dr. Hoosmedover did. Yeah, and but even your audience, if any of them have followed Leading the Way anywhere closely, they would know, even though I've been preaching for more than 50 years now, I am not an end-time preacher. I don't preach on the end times. I don't have charts. I don't get into Gog and Magog and Armageddon and so forth. Right. You know, somebody said, oh, well, just another th- book yeah. from Michael Yusuf about the end times. They can't say that because this is my first. Yeah. And it comes straight out of the heart of Jesus, not taking a passage from Ezekiel and a passage yeah. from Daniel and a passage from Jeremiah and stick them together right. and come up with a theory of the return of Christ. Make them say something it doesn't say. Exactly, yeah. yeah. We, I mean, we force our own ideas on the text. Yeah. Now, that's not me. And uh, those of who have heard me for any length of time know that that's not me. I want to say and I want to study and I want to proclaim only what Jesus said. And so as I saw particularly one specific sign, and that is the people turning their back on the faith. I'm not talking about the atheists and agnostics and the people who don't believe anything. Apostasy. I'm talking about apostasy, which is a big word. Some people say, what does that mean? Well, I'm turning away from the faith. And Jesus said in Matthew 24, particularly verse 9, he said, they're going to deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death and uh, you'll be hated by all nations, uh, for my name's sake. And then he goes on in verse 10 to say, and then many will fall away. Oh, my goodness. Many will fall away. Well, I have read history. I know there are periods of time when some people fall away. 
this falling away is just becoming like the pandemic. I mean, this is worse than COVID-19. Yeah. It's a rash. It's just going through the, the flock, or at least those who are professing Christians. And somebody said, it's now very fashionable to say, I'm going through deconstruction. Yeah. Well, that's just a sanitized word for turning you back on Jesus, turning you back on the faith. And Jesus said here, verse 10, he said, and then many will fall away. They may have even preach the gospel. They believe the gospel. They went to Bible-believing churches, but then they turned their back on it. And that is the sign for me. I have six in the book, six labor pains that Jesus talks about. Mm. I don't make them up. He says that. Yeah. But this one specifically And next to it is, of course, the gospel of the kingdom. He says this, and then the gospel of the kingdom, verse 14 of Matthew 24, and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. In Greek, that's ta ethna, Mm. and then the end will come. Mm. And so (laughs) we're involved, as you have been since you're literally out of college and we're involved in this ministry of taking the gospel to Ta Ethna and with thirty of the most spoken languages yeah. and beyond. And so as we see the gospel preached all over the globe, and then as we see particularly in the West, people are falling away from the church. All the statistics have said that after COVID nineteen, thirty percent, thirty percent of church goers. I'm not talking about people yeah. people who never went to church. Church goers are yeah. not coming back to church. Yeah. And a lot of churches are closing. A lot of churches are closing and they're doing streaming and it's a lot easier to just get on there and yeah. and you stream a, a, a sermon and a song. But the problem is that now we're seeing these things are coalescing together. Yeah. So other labor pains and you have to remember You've been through it twice. <laughs> we have, uh, yeah. you know, we've seen it 11 times some with the grandchildren. Take longer, some are quicker. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. But then you know that if these labor pains are becoming closer and closer in intervals, you better get to the hospital. Yeah. And this is what Jesus is saying. For the believers, he's speaking to the believers. You see, for the professing Christians, whom I call the five of the ten virgins who don't have oil in their lamp— these are the professing Christians. Yes. It's going to be a th- like a thief in the night. It's going to surprise them. Yeah. It's going to shock them. But for those of us who are waiting for the return of the Lord, who are praying every day, come Lord Jesus. Celebration. We see these intervals getting closer and closer. We know that the baby is about to be born. The big event is about to happen. So there's a couple of things here. Sure. Um, even in just looking at this text, it's it's that that they will betray one another, they yep. will hate one hate. another, yep. which is we know from James, I think it is, yep. that you can't hate your brother. Right. But these are signs yeah. of what you're talking about. They were not of us, right? right. They've departed from right. us. Right. That's First John. But we're seeing it in mass quantity. And it, it, you know, I guess my question is, yeah. do we think that those – departures from the faith, so to speak. There's two layers to this I want to ask you, so I want to be careful how I phrase it. Sure. One, I think some people might think, is it just because, you know, we have social media and it's more in our face, it's more in, you know, We're more informed about it. it. Right. So some people might say, maybe this has always been happening. Sure. And we're just reading about it more now. Right. What would you say about that? Well, I mean, we would have read about it in history. Sure. But there have always been element of non-believers and uh, anti-Christian belief in the West, in in what we call Christendom. Yes. But that's different from people who were in the church 
there were even back then, if you remember, um, in the eighteen hundreds, and when the Church of England becomes so stale, yes. they used to talk about people are not committed to Christ. Yes, but they go into church and never denied the faith. Mm. They believe the basics. Yeah. So you go to every period of history, even during the medieval, when there's so much superstition, yeah. they, they still believed in Jesus. They didn't turn their back. They had an extra biblical material. They, yeah. they believed in all kinds of the church and the pope and so on. But nonetheless, the turning your back after you know Christ and you proclaim Christ, you believe Christ, then you say, well, I'm no longer a believer. So that is the apostasy he's talking about. And then he goes on to 24, 24. That's Matthew 24, 24. Yeah. And he talks about even if it's possible, I mean, it's going to be so bad that even some of the elect, and I consider those probably the non-discerning elect who are going to be sucked in by the Antichrist and the miraculous and the miracles and the impact and the power of the Antichrist. And one of the things, Jonathan, is that, that really resonated with me and motivated me to write this book is during the COVID-19 pandemic, I saw this rise of authoritarianism and uh, dictator, almost dictatorship yeah. within Western democracy. Yeah. As you know, you lived in Australia, and they were telling me that if you are seen five miles away from your home, you get arrested right. and fined, and you go to jail. Uh, and this was just a sample. At, in Canada, uh, they would arrest a pastor who opened the, didn't have people in the church. He just opened the door. They put him in jail. And they're on and on and on. And so that rise of that authoritarianism and the people's willingness to acquiesce, yeah. that tells me that the world is being prepared for the Antichrist when he comes and he says, I'm bringing you peace. I'm bringing you prosperity. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's what we want, right? And yeah. we're going to fall right in line. That raises the question of assurance of salvation, which I know you talk about in the book. Sure. Right? Because now it's, could I be deceived? Or have I been deceived? Or, you know, people are going to be wrestling with that. Sure, but, of course. But we know that Christ gives us confidence yes. to the believers yep. that they are secure in his hands. So how do you walk that through in light of the end times prophecies? Sure. Jesus here again in Matthew 24 says that those who remain faithful to the end, okay? How many times he says that? Mm -hmm. Those who remain faithful to the end. But the same token, you have to accept the whole Bible. You can't take bits and pieces. Jesus said in John chapter 6 that those whom the Father has given me, I will lose none. Mm -hmm. And that is why he was saying, even if the impossibility become possible where some of the elect be deceived, mm -hmm. You know, be careful, because that's how bad it's going to be. But nonetheless, my confidence is that those whom the Father has given me, Jesus said, I will lose none. Mm -hmm. That those belong to him, those are the elect of God, will not be lost. Yeah. Even if they may be misled for a period of time, they will come back. Yeah. It's why warning passages are still in Scripture, because the heart of the believer who has the Holy Spirit is responding to those things and hearing them and, and, and then being transformed and, and living that out. Yeah. But we do need to be careful with ourselves. Of course. The other thing I, you know, that kind of comes up in, in thinking all this is that from the beginning, yes. I mean, even the Apostle Paul thinks that the end times is right around the corner. Exactly. And then we think of passages like Second Peter where it's, yeah. you know, 
oh, they've been saying this since the beginning, yep. and you know, it's 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 That's not going right. to come. Yep. How do you address this well, in the book? Uh, sure. I mean, uh, the the one thing you have to understand is when Paul was expecting the Lord's return. And in the book itself, I show how the disciples themselves, when they asked Jesus the question right. in Matthew 24, sitting across from the temple, yeah. and they asked the question, is this it? And he told them he's going to go to the cross. So the, at least in their minds, said, well, he might go to the cross and might resurrect it and then come back. That will be the time to kick the Romans out of here. Right. And we have the kingdom, and we're all going to be cabinet, have right. cabinet yeah. position, and yeah. we're going to be in glory. Ruling, yeah. Yeah, ruling and reigning in, on earth. Yeah. And so Jesus addresses that. And then when Paul thought he was, and then when he was about to die, he said to Timothy, now you look for the parousia, that's the return of Christ. Mm -hmm. You look for it. You may see it in your lifetime. And here's what this says to me. It says to me that every generation must look for the return of the Lord to come in their lifetime and live by that. So I tell people, I'm impacted by John Wesley's statement. He says, I live and pray as if the Lord coming back today, but I plan as if he's not coming for a hundred years. Yeah. And so we should be ready. We should There's be prepared. Yeah. yeah. When we look at the sign and said, Hey, could that be it? And if there's not, that's fine. We still haven't lost anything. Yeah. We purified ourselves as he is pure. We waited. We walked in the sanctification in expectancy of the return of Christ. But I do have problem with those who like those unfaithful servants who start saying the master's not coming back in the parable and start beating up the other servants. Right. Or like you quoted Peter saying, well, you know, they've been saying he's coming, it's coming, it's not coming. But the days have kept on going yeah. like they always have, yeah. That's fine. And you know what? Even if he doesn't come, I'm going to go. Yeah. Everyone is listening to us right now. Every one of us are going to go. Face it, yeah. When Jesus said, when I prepare a place, I come and get you. There are some theologians saying that I will come and take you when you die right? and come to heaven with me and yeah. where I prepared for you. Others take it as the return of Christ. Either way, it doesn't matter to me. Yeah. And I always say, either I'm going to him or he's coming <laughs> to get me. Either way, yeah. <laughs> yeah, either way uh, I'm happy. I'm, I'm contented. I'm rejoicing because that's my home and I'm promise. going home. And the promise is there and, and, we, and we take him at his word. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit in thinking about, and, and I, I think I see and feel this, is the sort of the stereotypes of different generations yep. and their approach. Absolutely. And you could probably even attest to this early years yep. to now in your later years. You know, younger people look at the idea of end times, uh, return of Christ, it's it, it's very skeptical. They're skeptical of the supernatural. Sure. They don't want to be labeled as conspiracy theorists. Right. Uh, we certainly see that a lot. Yeah. And so the conversation might be along the lines of, do you really think Christ is actually going to come back? Yes. You know, do you actually think the world's going to be destroyed? I would think young people might see that through the lens of global warming. Yes. But how would you address the younger person with through that lens of skepticism? Yeah. Al Gore said that 2004, we're going to be uh, fried sure. by that. And he didn't think we we're going to make it to 2004. That's right are. after he invented the Internet. <laughs> but here we are. And I remember when you all were young and one of your siblings, and I was talking about the return of the Lord. By the way, you shouldn't measure other people by me because I've always been waiting for the return of the Lord since I was 16. Right. <laughs> but one of your siblings said, oh, but uh, uh, this is years and years ago. 
I hope it doesn't come back until I get married. You know, I want to get married. Yeah. And then when you're 16 and you're thinking of the future and so on, Christ coming back. But you know how much better it is than marriage. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then they got married and thought, <laughs> when is the Lord coming okay. back? <laughs> yeah. All you take do if you change diapers in the middle of the night and, and then you pray. Come, Lord Jesus, well, became a more common <laughs> phrase around the home. Yeah. So, yes, I understand that. I do understand the younger generation, skepticism. I really do. And and I don't criticize it. I don't uh, undermine it. I fully understand it. I really do. But the question is, how are you going to live your life? Are you going to live your life if you got another 50 years, another 80 years? It doesn't matter. Yeah. How are you going to live those lives? Right. Is it in the light of eternity or are you going to live it in the light of of today. Yeah. Certainly the word secular means this life. Yeah. And so many preachers now are preaching secular Philosophy, gospel. Yeah. The life is is it here. And on the flip side of that, the older generation can sound alarmist. Yeah. And you know, even with that you're going to have categories of, sure. of of people who just, you know, oh, these days are terrible days. Yeah. You know, as you talked about it's uh, we've seen the pandemic and we've seen the mm-hmm. You know, but some of the older generation doesn't have a hope in Christ, so yeah. it's actually it manifests itself in fear. Mm-hmm. Those who do have Christ, they can kind of sound like they desire it, um, maybe in an unhelpful way. Like it, 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 rather, I'm not looking at it in terms of what you just described. Right. How am I going to live my life? And really, almost the ten virgins parable yep. of telling them, sure. giving the warning. But rather just sort of seeing it as just me and myself and being wrapped up in that. Yeah. Well, as you know, I quote C.S. Lewis a lot. And C.S. Lewis impacted me, of course, like a lot of – impact a lot of people. But the one thing he said – and he he wasn't very old when he said it, but he was in the prime of his life – that is that if you look at history, you're going to find that the people who were most effective in this life – Yeah. The most effective people who are the ones who looked forward to eternity, you see. And he said, when you keep your eye on your eternity, you get earth thrown in. (laughs) You get a bonus. So you live this life effective, contented, joyful, peaceful. When you want to just focus on earth and this life, you lose both, heaven and earth. Mm. You're miserable here and you'll be for eternity in torment. So... I found that to be very comforting for a man who is a philosopher and uh, English literature expert, and but also loves the Word of God. Mm. And if you look closely, you find that people like Wilberforce, and you go, oh, I can name names forever, uh, who have impacted our world like very few people. In fact, even our modern generation never give Wilberforce the credit for single-handedly, 40 years lost his friends and his family, but for 40 years he fought to end the horror of slave trading. Mm. But nobody gives him credit for that, but that's okay. His credit is in heaven. But the reason he focused on making a difference in this life is because of his focus on Jesus and eternity. And you go on and example of people like that throughout history. Yeah. I think we understand the mindset of living for the return of Christ. Mm. Let's take this down to brass tacks and and talk about what does that look like practically on a day-to-day basis for your everyday believer? Sure. Take a young couple with small children. How are they 
in their living impacting the life of their children? Mm. How are they modeling Christ to their children? Mm. How are they walking by faith instead of sight? Mm. So that is their congregation. That's if, yeah. if they're pastors, and they are pastors, yeah. uh, that's their congregation. And then you go into the stretch it to the neighborhood. Mm. How are they living their life as a light of Christ in their neighborhood? At work, yeah. Are they join in with all the dirty jokes and uh, seeing things that other people see and do things other people do? Or they say, you know, I have a, a different way of living because of Christ in me and sort of be a light and a salt without, you know, flashing the light in somebody's eye, but being just a light wherever they are. Mm. And so I think that's living in the light of the eternity. Is that how you would define being ready? Absolutely. That's the definition of being ready. Being ready is you working yeah. while you're waiting. Yeah. And, it, you know, when Jesus said, occupy till I come, the word is very clearly not like occupy Wall Street and those people kind of sit there and, right. yes. you know, <laughs> sing songs and uh, loitering and loitering yeah. and, and doing all kinds loitering of stuff. Loitering till now, I come. Occupy means work. Yeah. Be working. Be diligent. Keep working. Keep working until I come. And so we are occupying and taking new territories from Satan and to the kingdom of God. Mm. Well, is there anything else about the book that you want future readers to know? Well, I think there's something very important a lot of people miss about uh, Matthew 24. Yes. I always point out to it because I see sometimes when articles are written about my book or something, then I like to read what people say. Right. And the amount of shared ignorance is appalling. <laughs> but there's sometimes genuine kind of ignorance. Uh, but if you read Matthew 24 and you're going to say, yeah. well, but Jesus really was talking about the fall of Jerusalem. Right, yeah, 70 AD. Yes, and it happened. It's taken place in detail, just as he predicted. Yeah. But what they miss in this particular chapter, and I hope that everybody's going to read it and read it carefully, they're going to see two things. The, the disciples were asking two questions, and Jesus answered those two questions. Yep. He did not yeah. avoid either of them. Yeah. So he said to them when they're talking about the temple, he said, not a stone be left on top of the other. And then he kept talking about, on that day, yeah. you escape. On that day, it's going to be so horrible, so horrible. And we know from history, just I mean, Josephus, in his description of the fall of Jerusalem, 70 AD, it's the most, I, I can't even continue reading it, it's so horrifying. But then he says, in those days, he said, now you ask me about what is immediately going to happen in the temple and what's going to happen immediately before my return. Right. So he makes a distinction on that day. On those days. Yes. On that day and those days. And so read it with that kind of prism in mind to see that Jesus is answering two different questions, and that way you won't get confused. Yeah. And I make that clear in the book, how Jesus answering two questions by giving two answers to two questions. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. And next time we have you on, you'll have another book. Pleasure, Jonathan. Sure. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. Featuring content from a podcast you'll want to make one of your favorites, Candid Conversations with Jonathan Youssef. Each episode, Jonathan, a passionate pastor in his local church, speaks into issues of our day and offers tools to help you think and act biblically as you interact with people and society in our unique times. Look for Candid Conversations on your favorite podcast platform. 
or use the link at ltw.org. And with that music, our time is up for today. Thank you for listening. This program is furnished by Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef. Connect via television, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter and all of the social media networks. taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.